This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's great to be back with you on this beautiful Tuesday morning here in the South. As they say, we flew in and a spring has sprung. It is amazing. You know, you can tell because the cars are turning yellow. <laughs> and uh, my my screen porch is. i got to get home this evening and uh, cover my screen porch furniture so I don't oh, have to it? do so much vacuuming. Yeah, I know. It's just on. terrible when that happens, isn't it? Oh. Just uh, welcome to the south in the springtime. But it's great because the trees are blossoming. And I walked out of my house this morning. We have some honeysuckle bushes out there. And, wow, did that smell good this morning. Ah, yeah. I love the smell of honeysuckle. And that means, David, it's garden time. Uh, yes, it's, it is. It's guard time. I got down in my garden on Saturday. I was going to rototill it, David, and uh, guess what? It was a lake. Too wet. It was a lake because on Friday it just rained, and Friday night it rained, and it rained, and it rained. Really? Oh, torrential downpour. So hopefully this Saturday, although it's supposed to rain all day Tuesday, Thursday this week, too, I need, a, I need one week with no rain so I can rototill that garden. But my tomatoes and pepper plants are looking good. They're looking good. But next weekend we'll be transplanting them this week. We'll just hopefully be able to get some work done down and getting the ground done up. But uh, uh, in my greenhouse, I was able to clean that out and get it going. And got you know, your new greenhouse up or no? No, I you know I did. I, I have decided not to put new plastic up this year because it's still hanging on by a thread. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it'll be cooler in the summertime with the root, with the rips on the top. So yeah. by next summer, I'll put the new ones in. But my uh, my pump has um, the pump rope broke, and so. I can't start my pump to get water into the greenhouse, and so I'm going to have to work on that this weekend as well. Um, Dave, I don't know uh, if you realized while you were gone in Hawaii for 10 days enjoying the good life, <laughs> but uh, uh, immigration kept marching forward here. Uh, forward. And, and, it, it uh, did. Did you see it marching and all? Yeah, you know, nothing, nothing was resolved last week. Uh, I think uh, uh, Netanyahu's going to be able to fix that when he loses the election in Israel and runs for the U.S. Republican nomination for president. Uh, <laughs> Which he can do, by the way, because he's a U.S. citizen. I think he was born here, if I'm not mistaken. I know he's a U.S. citizen. Hmm. Well, he was educated here. I think he actually has got deep U.S. ties. I think he's got like a citizenship or something like that here. Huh. I had to look that up. I could be wrong. Uh, I'm wrong about some things, but not about immigration. Uh, as you know, when we last left off, David, the, uh, um, the Obama administration had asked Judge Hannon to uh, set aside his ruling because he was wrong, <laughs> uh, basically. Um, and, uh, of course, Judge Hannon refused to do so uh, a week ago Friday. And so last Wednesday, finally, finally, the Obama administration, their, their reasoning was, well, we had to let the judge reconsider his ruling. Not true, but uh, they decided to appeal to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And they put together what I thought was a pretty good uh, brief. Uh, really, the motion it was really a motion to stay the injunction of Judge Hannon, uh, and then allow that Judge Hannon to get to the more details of his case. Uh, as you know, there was two things that Judge Hannon did that were very interesting that got him to his ruling. One is he found standing because the state of Texas was damaged by uh, being forced to issue driver's licenses to DAPA recipients, and thus they were going to lose one hundred and thirty dollars on every driver's license. Uh, apparently, Judge Hannon uh, didn't think about the, the retort to that, or the government didn't either, which was, well, why don't you just have them pay the full cost of the driver's license? You know, okay, no damage. Uh, or two, where are you getting the $130 from that you're losing? 
which private Texas enterprise uh, owned by the state of Texas is generating that income? Oh, what? That is tax dollars doing that. And, of course, we all know that immigrants pay taxes. So uh, I think the, the Fifth Circuit tosses out this case on standing alone. Uh, but, David, something very important happened last Monday, and I know that you don't know about this. You're right. Uh, you do not know about this uh, because you did not read the mortgage banker's decision out of the Supreme Court last Monday, did you? No. I can't believe you didn't read this, David. I can't believe you didn't read this. Apparently, um, uh, there was a challenge to the regulations issued uh, by uh, the, the group that the, the government agency that oversees mortgages, and the mortgage bankers case, which actually an appeal by the government, uh, was this a really simple issue. Uh, the government was arguing that they did not have a legal obligation under the Administrative Procedures Act or the APA to publish changes to rules and policies that they had previously published in the Federal Register. And the Supreme Court and and the the mortgage bankers had won this case at the Circuit Court of Appeals. The Circuit Court had said, no, 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 you have to publish that. It's the APA. You have to follow the rules. The Supreme Court, in a 9-0 decision, 9-0 decision, ruled... No, you don't have to follow the APA. Once you've published something about a topic, you can change that whenever you want to uh, as an administration. Now, of course, that means a following administration could just come in and change rules, right? That's the, the downside of that for people. Say, some people would say, well, you mean I published rules on uh, what was an endangered species and I don't, have to, I don't have to go back and do that? No, you can go and change it as next administration as long as you've done it once. Well, you know, that has obviously some negative connotations, but it has massive positive connotations for the DAPA lawsuit, because Judge Hannon did not rule the, what Obama did unconstitutional. He simply ruled that the APA was not followed, because they had not published information about the change in policy in the APA. And guess what now with the Supreme Court case? They didn't have to. They didn't have to. So the whole ba- even if there is standing for the state of Texas, which there's not, even if there were, the Supreme Court just overturned the decision. Bam. Now, here's what's really weird to me about the Obama administration's memo, a motion for stay on Wednesday. Now, this mortgage banker's case uh, was published on Monday, Monday by noon, I think it was out. I mean, I read it within a couple hours because it was really a very important case for the APA, which we do with all the time. It was not mentioned in the government's motion for stay odd, don't you think? So either somebody at the Department of Justice is not paying attention to what the Supreme Court is doing, or they don't think it's as important as I think it is. But I think it's a massively important decision uh, because I think it eviscerates exactly what Judge Hannon was forcing the government to comply with. So we will get, uh, as we move forward here, we will get um, um, uh, probably uh, the, the government on Wednesday asked the Court of Appeals for an expedited appellate process uh, and asked that the government that the court order the state of Texas and its minions uh, because really after Texas they're all minions right I mean you're a Texas guy and they're minions to respond within seven days to the motion for stay the court of appeals did not agree with the government and said no we're going to allow the the, uh, the normal time to respond to your motion for stay of ten days so it's really not you know what's three days it really doesn't matter 
the states have now responded uh, on the issue of the expedite, saying, "No, you should. This is no hurry here. We're in no hurry to get this done. Yeah, you take your no, take your normal time. Whatever. We're not any rush here." Please look away. Nothing important is going on. Uh, I think the 11th and the 5th Circuit will rule, I think, relatively quickly on this motion for stay. I'm really interested to see how the government responds, uh, the state of Texas responds to the government's motion. Now, one thing I did not realize, and I probably should have been paying more attention to this, is who in the government is litigating this case for the Obama administration? You know, who? Obviously, it's the Department of Justice, right? But it's not a U.S. attorney's office that's handling this. It is actually the Office of Civil Rights that is handling this litigation. Now, the Office of Civil Rights, I don't normally see as big-time litigators, but maybe that's what they're doing here. I see them more as enforcement guys. Um, and I don't know the, off- I don't know the actual uh, attorneys at the Office of Civil Rights that are managing this litigation. But I'm a little disturbed that they did not mention the issue of the Supreme Court case because it's directly on point uh, and eviscerates Hannon's decision. There is no need for a stay at that point. If that's the only issue that Hannon had a problem with and it's the only issue he ruled on, you know, and of course, then what Hannon will do is try to go back and argue it's unconstitutional, which at least one federal court judge has already ruled is it is constitutional. And we keep forgetting that, that Hannon was not the first judge to look at this. He was the second judge to look at it uh, directly on the issue. But he found opposite from the first judge, which ruled it was completely constitutional and not violative of the APA. So as we move forward, David, it's actually kind of important, kind of big news. Um, we will know a lot more by next week's show uh, because that will be we, 10 days from the, from the Wednesday will be do the math right, I think it's this Friday that they're responsible to get their reply in by. And so we're going to have a lot to talk about next Tuesday. Who's, um, you know, I, and I haven't been watching the news. I, you know, I was the same way in Hawaii, whatever. Yeah, Hawaii. When you're in Hawaii, who really cares what the news says? But, you know, uh, has it made the news? Has it really been on any news? Um, th- there has been some news about it. I Again, I don't watch... Fox News or the mainstream media. Okay, so I don't know what's on there. Um, the Cartoon Channel didn't have it on. Is that well, the Sci Fi Channel didn't have it on. Oh. It, so, <laughs> actually, the, the Cooking Channel, Guy Fier did not mention it on the Cooking oh, Channel last God. night. Uh, and it wasn't on my Apple TV, but uh, I, I got a little press. I mean, I got we got notices about it that they'd done it, and all the newspapers covered it. And uh, but they, it was just like, hey, this is what it is. It, it's interesting, you know. We have a very short attention span in the American public. Huh. <laughs> yes, I know it's one of your personal peeves. We just don't pay attention, Damn which lets the government get away with anything they want to get away with. But at the same time, uh, the fact they filed a motion for stay is not huge news. What will be the news? The news will be what the judge, what the what the judge's panel does at the Fifth Circuit, and we don't know which judge panel is going to be assigned to this case yet. At least I don't think we're aware of that panel yet. But I have a lot of people that keep telling me, David, well, the Fifth Circuit had very conservative on immigration issues. You know, they you know, like the they like the Eleventh Circuit, very conservative. They 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 you know you got to be careful. They're going to they're going to uphold Hannon. Uh, and then I have to remind people, this is not an immigration case. It's not an immigration case. No, no. This is this is a case about jurisdictional issues, standing issues, the Administrative Procedures Act, and constitutional issues. It's really nothing to do with immigration. 
and so you have to look at the Fifth Circuit's um, history on these kinds of issues, and they're no more liberal or conservative than other circuits around the country on issues related to standing. In fact, they probably go over backwards not to find standing. They are actually very judicially inactive. Because what Hannon did was very was very much judicial activism. I mean, very much judicial activism. And the Fifth Circuit is not that way. Fifth Circuit is part of Texas and Louisiana? Yes, Texas and Louisiana and Oklahoma, I believe. Hmm. And I'm trying to think whether Mississippi's included that in that as How well. How many judges are involved in, in an appeal? Probably court. 10 or 12, 13, 14, 50, something like that. I'm, you know, I'm not a Fifth Circuit guru on this stuff as far as how their courts may up. Here in the 11th, we've got, I think, 12 or 13 judges at this point. They're, they don't have enough. I mean, I know that they're short-staffed, as they always are at the Court of Appeals and the district court level. Uh, but I thought this was very powerful uh, that, the, uh, that our friends at the Office of Civil Rights at the Department of Justice are litigating this case. But by next Tuesday, we should have a lot to talk about uh, in regards to where the Fifth Circuit's going, what the government's, uh, uh, what, what the state of Texas's brief looks like. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, some of the points that our, uh, our side, uh, the positive good side, brought up in the, uh, in the context of the, uh, their motion for stay. And we'll be back in just a minute here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the next segment here of the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. By the way, on America's Web Radio, David, there are other shows besides ours. On immigration? Uh, no, no, on other issues. Oh, I yes. mean, yes, uh, there uh, are. America's this is your Web chance Radio? to let you boost up America's Web Radio. We, here. Have, uh, we have a number of very good shows, very good shows. Uh, the Doctor's Lounge is a very interesting show. Uh, what doctors talk about at hospitals when they go in their lounge, and uh, a lot, and very political at, at this point. Really? Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's fascinating. What's happening with Obamacare? And uh, I thought Obamacare was struck down. Oh no, it wasn't. <laughs> no. It's, uh, <laughs> Did you see the governor of Wyoming? You're going to love this Republican guy. Uh, he, he, uh, some reporter asked him, "So, what do you think about this lawsuit at the federal court on, you know, Supreme Court on Obamacare?" He says, "Well, I hate Obamacare, but." I hope they don't strike it down because it's going to it's going to disrupt everything we do. I mean, it's just going to be there's no plan in place. No, there's no plan in place. So Congress has no plan. I mean, they're the ones that want it struck down. David, where's their plan? Where's their substitute plan? They don't have one. You know, it's it's a very scary thought. It's like uh, where's the budget? 
we worry about immigration. We worry about a lot of things, but we don't worry, don't seem to be our Congress and the president. In well, the House is coming out with their budget today, no. David. You'll be happy to know. Uh, they're going to increase military spending because why not? Um, <laughs> and uh, they're going to balance the budget by 2025 by cutting Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. Cut away. There you go. That's it. That's it. That's, that's how you solve the problems, by increasing spending in the military. Uh, what did Eisenhower say about that? I mean, I Eisenhower said something about I that. don't remember what you're – uh, Eisenhower said something about the military-industrial complex. I mean, it's something something about that. I, I just remember him talking about that. Well, you know, Maybe I, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't born yet. But I know I've seen the speech. It's uh, – the waste in, in federal government is just – Department. Which includes the military. Which it includes absolutely. absolutely. There, there, uh, there's, there's certainly enough blame to go around. Absolutely, everywhere. Absolutely. So, David, I want to talk about this. Uh, the motion for stay, um, which uh, which the federal government filed with on Judge Hannon's case. Here's here's the quote. The quote: The district court's order is unprecedented and wrong. I mean, I mean, that is really the best statement I've seen about this. Um, the uh, the judge's injunction in this case, as we've talked about many times, simply is not based on any cognizable legal claim that the states have or ability to bring. Uh, further, as I said here, the the Constitution does not entitle states to intrude into the uniquely federal domain of immigration enforcement. So what the Obama administration is doing here is is taking DAPA, the Deferred Action Program, and coining it in terms of enforcement. That's really what it is. It's tied directly to enforcement. Uh, is there an easy way, David, in which you can get three to four million undocumented immigrants to come forward and identify themselves? Is there a way to do that right now? Not no, no. DAPA is that program. DAPA says to three to four million undocumented immigrants, come forward. We will give you a three-year work permit. Not going to tell you what we're going to do after that. We're not. We don't know what we're going to do after that. We may do nothing after that. We may renew it. We may not renew it. I, mean, I think it'll be renewed, of course. But uh, so come forward. And now you don't have. You no longer have eleven or twelve million undocumented immigrants. You've got. Seven or eight million undocumented immigrants. The rest are documented in the context of we know who they are, we know where they live, and we've sorted out the bad from the good. Uh, so uh, I, I think it's finally smart of them to to take DAPA, the program, and put it in the terms of what it really is, and it's part of immigration enforcement. And all they're doing is saying, look, if Congress, you're only going to give us four, you know, twelve billion dollars a year to deport four hundred thousand people. But you want us to enforce the immigration laws against everybody. Here's a tool we've developed that costs you nothing, but creates a bigger and more in-depth enforcement mechanism. Uh, and I, I love this when they said this. The court invented a novel theory of Article Three standing that purports to confer standing on states without any actual injury. That's the whole driver's license thing. Okay. Literally just invented it. Well... Will uh, the judge have defend himself for his decision? No, nope, judges. No judge gets to sit back and watch the state of Texas defend him, which I'm sure they will. I mean, I'm sure they got smart lawyers there, and uh, they'll come up with some argument, um, really fascinating argument, I'm sure, uh, on standing. Um, 
but I'm still, again, I'm disturbed that two days after the Supreme Court ruled on this, they did not incorporate the mortgage banker's decision here. And here's what they say. The district court erred on the merits in holding that DHS violated the notice and comment periods of the APA. Um, and here's what they say. It is a quintessential example of a general statement of policy, which the APA exempts from notice and comment. The court compounded those errors on standing and the APA by entering an overbroad injunction that restricts DHS nationwide, including in plaintiff states not found to have standing, and more remarkably, in states not parties to the litigation and that actively support the challenge policies. Uh, again, I think Judge Hannon was probably the only judge in the United States that would have ruled the way he ruled. Uh, it is the classic example. You talk about conservatives, Republicans, what what thing about judicial people don't they like? What do they call it? Judicial activism, right? They hate judicial activism, right? Judges striking down laws on marriage and creating gay marriage. and Well, how is this any different? How is it any different? It's not. That, that, you know, good for the goose, good for the gander kind of thing. That's, this is exactly that. So uh, the... Uh, as the government talks about the the legal issues, the legal background involved here, uh, you know, the one thing they don't ever talk about that all the state of Texas and Judge Hannon talked about were the 27 different times President Obama says, I don't have authority to fix immigration law. I don't have authority to grant green cards. I don't have authority to give people legal status, which is all true. Of course he said that because it's true. He doesn't have authority to change immigration laws, laws, doesn't have authority to grant legal status, which DAPA doesn't. He doesn't have authority to uh, to do anything other than enforce the laws. This is simply a very novel way of enforcing the laws. And oddly enough, David, enforcing the laws against people who are in the line. You know the line we talk about? Get in, why don't these people get in the line? Every one of these people is in the line. How? They're parents of U.S. citizens and permanent residents. There's a line for that. But you know how long the line is? Years. Well, it's oddly enough. It's until your kid turns 21. And then you're in the line. Then, then, then it's automatic. There's no, I mean, you apply and you're done, except the vast majority of the people came in illegally. And if you came in illegally, you have to leave the country for 10 years before your kid can, can bring you in. But there's still a line. So all he's done is saying, look, yes, there's a line out there. Um... We're going we're gonna to eliminate the, 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 what I would like to call the low-hanging fruit. This is the easy stuff. Nobody who doesn't isn't in the line is getting – nobody with other parents, uh, other relatives sponsoring them are in, the, are in this application. Uh, so I think it's fascinating that they've couched it in terms of ignoring uh, the issue of what Obama said, which was effectively correct, uh, and focusing entirely on the longstanding practice of deferred action. Um, including citing to the district court judge who upheld Obama's deferred action policies. Isn't that fascinating? Um, And they quote that extensively, but don't quote extensively the Supreme Court's decision in mortgage bankers, which is kind of crazy. So talks about some of the background issues. Then they go into the procedural background um, where they talk about this. Then they get into the whole idea of the argument, which is the standing issue. There can't be standing. I mean, if in order for Texas to find standing, uh, the, the court had to find that they would be what they call the abdication theory, uh, which is that uh, 
um, uh, that the st- federal government has abdicated responsibility in the issue, which is not. I mean, so the court didn't find that. It's also baseless. Um, the court then ruled on uh, the very interesting part of financial cost, the financial damage. Um, and uh, here's what's interesting: they didn't. They should have gone into my argument, I, and I don't. And I'm surprised they didn't do this. Texas claims of financial harm also ignore the prospect that the third action and workouts will lead to increased state tax revenues. So he said, okay, the economic benefit you're going to make from this. But they didn't mention this. Um, why don't you just charge them the full amount? You can do that. But would they have to do it to everybody else? Probably. But so what? Why should this, I mean, it's Texas. Why should Texas fund your driver's license, David? Why should they do that? Why should they be forced to pay for some or raise their, their rates to cover? But no, that, that, that's a great question with a question. But why are you? Why is the state of Texas subsidizing your driver's license? Don't know. I, I don't know either. It's Texas. Why is the state of Texas subsidizing anything that, that private people do? So I mean, you're stealing from me, David, so you can get a cheaper driver's license. That's what you're doing. Well, I, I hey, that's what you're doing, right? Wouldn't you imagine that uh, you're robbing Georgia, me at gunpoint? Georgia does some of the same. Well, you threaten me with going to jail if I don't pay my taxes, and then you're using that money to give this guy over here doesn't pay any taxes or driver's license. Who's a citizen? How is that fair? You're stealing from me to, to uh, subsidize it. It's unfair. And yet, that's the argument the conservative state of Texas is making. Why the why they're going to be armed? I mean, really, um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, courts and politics make for very strange bedfellows, David, uh, when they have to make these arguments. Um, now, uh, at the end of the day, uh, the court, I mean, the government argues here that they are likely to, ex- to p- prevail on appeal, even if there is standing, talking about the APA. And, w- and the, the government goes through a series of prior Supreme Court cases arguing why they didn't have to comply with the APA. But again, why they left out the brand new case that's directly on point is beyond me. If the appellate court overturns the lower court's decision, can Texas then take it to the Supreme Court? Oh yeah, Texas, but the the Court of Appeals is a mandatory is 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 a is a is a court which must take every appeal that comes in. Supreme Court is not. Supreme Court you have to do a, a motion for a petition for cert. Cert RI. Uh, and they don't have to take every case. For example, when, when the state of, uh, of Arizona tried to appeal uh, uh, late last year the Ninth Circuit's decision saying they must give driver's licenses to DACA recipients, Supreme Court said, no, we're not taking that case. Effectively, you know, confirming what the Ninth Circuit said. I would suspect that the court of, Supreme Court would do exactly the same thing here. I think they would do exactly. They're not going to take this case. Now, if Obama loses and Obama has to appeal... I think they take that case. I do. I think they take that case because the the district court, and if upheld by the Fifth Circuit, is is such a unique twist in the law, and so different from standing current standing policy and precedent. I think the Supreme Court is mandatorily must take that case. But if the Fifth Circuit overturns the district court, which I think it will, then it's just it's a routine matter. It's of course the the government can do these things. Um, uh, and 
as we move forward here, and uh, the last thing the court did here, the, the, the federal government did here, is ask the court to limit the injunction to Texas or to the plaintiff states, which would include Georgia, but not to other states. So if that's the case, what happens? If you're in Georgia and you can't apply for DAPA, but your relatives in Maryland can, what do you do? Go to Maryland. Maryland, Maryland. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, go to Maryland. This is why immigration law is national. This is why every state doesn't have their right to interpret the law on their own. Um, and as a result, uh, you've got the, these kind of crazy quilt patterns that must must be must be recognized. So at the end of the day, I think we're going to see a really good. Um, Really good opinion come out of the Fifth Circuit. I think it's going to happen in the next, um, i say about, by the end of April, we should have a decision, is my guess. Uh, they'll probably have oral argument pretty darn quickly on this case. It's pretty, this is simple stuff, David. This is not hard. Um, and I don't think it's hard to write an opinion on this. So uh, hopefully we'll keep our fingers crossed and see what happens. Uh, we'll be right back for our next segment here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the next segment here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm glad you enjoyed Hawaii Day. Yeah, Hopefully you can go home when the show is done. Well, taking that's a, we've been twice now. My it's wonderful, isn't it? Times. Yeah, it it's now, a, if your son is deployed very, uh, to another place, will you go visit him over there? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> visit a reason to go, right? Maybe. Uh, well, no, there'd be a reason to go, but then some places are more complicated than others. Yeah. Um, what if he gets to Dubai? That'd be kind of cool. I'd go to Dubai. Yeah, well, he's, he's been deployed to... Uh, Qatar. Yeah, did you go over there and visit them over the Qatar? No, no. Or Qatar or whatever they, whatever they I know they call it. I don't know how to call days. it either. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing, too, uh, with immigration and the homeless and, mm-hmm. and everything else. You know, Hawaii is either you're richer than sin or you're poorer than dirt. It's pretty, very little middle ground in yeah. Hawaii, yeah. And uh, I understood that from quasi authoritative, that many of the homeless, which in, in some cases are illegal immigrants, uh, but states literally ship them to Hawaii because it's easier to pay a one-way ticket than it is to try and take care of them in their own I state. I haven't heard that. I haven't heard the states uh, actually doing that. I imagine Hawaii would get pretty pissed off and be pretty vocal about it if that was the case. There are clearly homeless in Hawaii, though, because I saw lots of them oh, over there. It's incredible, uh, the number. 
Yeah. And, and they don't, you know. Especially in Honolulu. If you if you hang around Honolulu. Oh, it's a yeah. tent city. Up and, and down the strip, yeah. yeah. Up on the beach. You go to the other islands, you don't see that very much on other islands. But uh, there you certainly see it. Oahu uh, has lots. Yeah. And yeah. it's in a shame. But that's, you know, the immigration thing, like I was asking, you think it would, uh, they make a decision and it will be in effect fairly shortly? Yeah, well, we, we already know that they said they wouldn't put it in effect till the end of May anyway. The six months from November 20th is May. So uh, I think uh, if the court rules by the end of April that we would see uh, a standard timeline of May, maybe June. But I think the administration has continued to prepare. And, um, and what, what, would be, what would be the, uh, what, what would happen? Really, all they need to do is publish the uh, rules on filing, where they want it filed, and the uh, form to be used. I'm sure they already have the form ready to go, or at least pretty close to ready to go. Could probably finish in a couple days. Uh, publish that form, and uh, off we go to the races uh, with getting those applications filed. So, uh, applications, applications for driver's license, or well, no, these are applications for work cards. I mean, okay. basically, what you're going to have to show is that you've been here for ten years. I mean, five years since 2010. You're a person of good moral character. You don't have any disqualifying criminal convictions. You have the U.S. citizen child, uh, and you apply. And immigration probably take, if DACA is any indication and other processes are any indication, three to five months to approve you for deferred action and then to issue you a work card, You know what's, what's called an employment authorization document or an EAD. We all have acronyms in all our fields, right? So we have an EAD. You will take that EAD and you will go to Social Security with your birth certificate and your passport, and they will issue you a Social Security card. And on that Social Security card will be your name, your number, and a legend that says, authorized for employment only with DHS authorization. Okay, so they can't be used for employment unless you've also got the EAD, the employment card. Then you take your Social Security card and your driver's license and you go to the, the DDS. Here it's DDS. Other states it's the DMV. Here it's the department. It's not a dentist's office. It's the Department of Driver Services. Uh, and they will, they will then run their own check and verify that the card is real. They will run it through a system similar to E-Verify called SAVE. And if everything is in order, they will then issue you a driver's license for the validity period of your work card. You do not get a 10-year license. You get a three-year license. Okay. Um, and uh, with that three-year license, you can then live your life. You work, drive, get insurance, do everything else that anybody else can here in the United I started to say, you and I have to have insurance. Yes. So do they have to go out and purchase and show proof of Absolutely. insurance? Absolutely. That's mandatory. In fact, I think you will see – this is one side effect that nobody talks about. You will see the, the insurance rates for uninsured drivers drop dramatically. So your insurance policies should go down. Because the number of uninsured drivers will go way down. Because people are driving right now without insurance or without licenses, David. You understand that, right? Uh, I've heard that. Now, every car that's registered must have, must have insurance. That's In Georgia, otherwise, they take your tag away. But you and I both know there's lots of uninsured drivers out there driving cars that don't have current tags or, or whose license has lapsed. That will you know, effectively be eliminated to a great degree when people have driver's licenses. Now, are we going to get a... Uh Profiling case out of this, the cops stopped me and uh, to check to make sure I had insurance. And no, David, you know why they don't do that? Because they know when they do when you're your tag. So cops no longer stop you because they don't they want to check whether you have insurance. They don't have to because it's tied to your tag. As long as your tag has insurance, they don't stop you. 
uh, and David, that's already happening today. So, no, it's uh, – uh, and, and Georgia, while uh, Section 7 of HB 87 is still in place, which is – uh, that the police can, you know, be enforcement agents for ICE and can ask for immigration papers. To my knowledge, in the three years now that's been in effect, it's never happened because nobody wants to be caught profiling. You know, they don't want to stop. Uh, so, no, I don't think there's any, any, anything that comes out of that. So people are going to be able to get their driver's licenses, get their insurance. Uh, the bigger problem, David, is for a lot of employers because you have Juan, let's say you have Juan or Maria working for you, uh, and Juan has given you some papers to say his name is Juan. You've done your I-9. Uh, then he comes back in, you know, in, in October. says, you know, you've been calling me Juan all these years, but my name is actually Roberto. <laughs> and here's my papers. What do you as an employer do? I mean, now, I mean, do you fire Roberto? Is there, is there liability on the employer? No, 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 no liability. The employers done what they did. They did the I-9. They're good to go. Okay. Uh, so now do you do a new I-9 for Roberto and, and fire Juan? Do you fire Do you fire Juan and Roberto for lying to you? You know, in uh, in uh, California, a colleague of mine tells me that it's illegal for the employer to fire somebody because somebody gave them a fake ID to get a job. These honesty policies. So um, at least that's how I interpreted what he said. Could be wrong, but I think that that sounds very California to me. How do you win for losing? You don't in California. That's why businesses are leaving California, David. Okay, and going to right-to-work states like Georgia and, and others. Uh, now, while you were on vacation, David, uh, you know that uh, the, uh, the Republicans in Congress were able to fund Homeland Security. Yeah. You, you heard that, right? Um, and um, they did that by not, by not, by taking the immigration issue out of it. Uh, the, the reality is the, the, the Democratic minority was stronger than the Republican majority. This is the, and this was the same as true when the Democrats were in control, that the Republicans, you know, the minority, uh, 40 and above, control the agenda. So if you can get them to buy in, everything's very easy. If, if you've got something they're opposing, it's very hard. So right now, Loretta Lynch, I keep wanting to call her Loretta Lynn, <laughs> but I don't think she sings nearly as good. Uh, Loretta Lynn, Lynch is nomination is being held up. Why? Not because of the immigration thing, although that's out there. They've, they were going to go forward with it. But because the Democrats won't agree to a vote on some other funding bill that has a, an abortion thing and it got snuck in when nobody was paying attention. This is like, what, you know, when you're in Congress, this is, I, to me, if you don't read the stuff in front, and I know there's a lot to read, okay? But if somebody's proposing an amendment, and you don't read that, um, that amendment, which is typically usually relatively short, I understand what it means, and you vote for it, tough noogies for you is what I think. Um, now, I, I don't know anything about the abortion ban, what it means, what it doesn't mean. Clearly, it's probably not a good thing for people who, who, who think abortion should be legal in the United States. Probably a negative thing. It might even be, you know, uh, the president may, in fact, veto the bill over it. But they're holding up Lynch's nomination because Democrats keep telling a filibuster on that bill. Uh, but the bigger question to people asking me, David, what is the chance, what is the chance that this Congress will pass and even consider immigration reform in the next year and a half they have? What is your impression on that? What do you think? As you a layman. Know, I think they're going to have to. Okay. 
Now, whether they'll come up with anything or so not. So there's two really two issues here. One, do they have to? I think it's clear they have to. Yeah. If Republicans want to win the White House, they have to do it. Other question, will they do it? I don't know under, or I don't think so under the current leadership. Right. But if the leadership were to change. Leadership's not going to change. Uh, no, leadership's I think not Boehner's change. pretty well. Boehner's going to be in there. I mean, it, So, you know, I guess that answers its own question, which mm-hmm. I think is, you know, the, the kicker with this is they have obviously, from what you said over and over again, it's become totally politicized. There's, like you said, there's an easy answer to it. It's uh, not what's good for America. It's what's good for getting reelected. Yeah, and, and I'll give you a prime uh, example of that, David. Uh, one of your buddy, your your favorite congressional, your favorite b- 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 presidential candidate, Scott Walker, from Wisconsin. Two years ago, he says, "You know, we got to have immigration reform. I mean, this is just crazy. Why, why aren't we doing immigration reform? Let's do it all at one time." And what does he say last week while you were gone? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I don't believe in immigration reform. I, I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind. Really? Why did you change your mind? I listened to the people. Which people were you listening to? The 75% majority of Americans who support immigration reform or the 25% who hate immigrants who vote in Republican primaries? Which, which part are you listening to? So a prime example of a lack of leadership. This is why I like George Bush. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush. I, like, I like George, too. I don't think he was a great president, but I, I like George. Jeb I really like because he's willing to take the hard stand. Uh, he's not perfect. on him. He, he's not going to pass the immigration reform bill I want, but he's willing to say, look, this is what the adults in the room do. This is, this, is what we, this is what adults talk about. We don't talk about what we want to have. We talk about what we can get. And as long as we talk about what we can get, then we can move forward with an agreement. Um, and maybe later we can change. We can change it. We can modify it at a later time. Uh, so, uh, as the Republican primary heats up, as the rhetoric heats up between the anti-immigration uh, nativist section of the GOP and the pro-business, pro-family, pro-conservative section of the GOP, uh, as that argument begins and, and, and modifies over the next several months. I think there is a possibility that you would get something out of the House. The House has several bills pending. They're bad bills, David. I mean, there are things like mandatory E-Verify with no temporary worker program to account for the difference. So they want to have a national ID card coming out of the GOP House, otherwise known as E-Verify, and at the same time do nothing to fix it. That's the kind of stuff you're going to see. I don't think Boehner – Boehner's a smart guy on this stuff. He's not going to allow a vote on a pure anti-immigration bill without there being some some other side to that being able to come forward and be introduced. Um, and uh, he certainly, the closer you get to the national election, so anything after January next year is dead. So you'd have to do that this year, and the time to do it is probably the summertime when nobody's paying any attention to Congress, but they're going to be gone most of the time anyway. Uh, so I really don't see us this year or this Congress. If my, my my position is we will not see movement on immigration reform in this Congress. We will not. We will not see anything positive come out of this at any time during the next two years, unfortunately. And uh, what that's going to mean is the Republicans are going to lose the White House again. 
my prayer is they don't lose to Hillary Clinton. Um, I think there are better candidates out there who are more interested in the job and less interested in personal aggrandizement than her. Um, and uh, from the from the Democratic Party, but if she is the candidate, David, she's probably going to win. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. On Medicine on Call, we talk about more than medicine. It's about how to take control of your mind, body, and spirit. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. David, I love talking to you off the air. Don't don't confuse me with facts. My mind's made up. I love that. And that's short on a lot of different issues, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I, I try to keep a very open mind on stuff unless I know I'm right about something. Yeah. <laughs> we're all like well, that because we're always all right, right? It's very hard to admit you're wrong. There are a lot of people that think they're right when they don't know they're wrong. Exactly. I know a lot of people like that. Um, and uh, so uh, as we move forward here, David, on, on this whole immigration front, uh, as things move forward, uh, one of the things I've been doing a lot of speaking uh, going out to community events, uh, talking about immigration. We've got several more coming up this week. And I hear some very interesting and disturbing things happening at ICE. Uh, ICE uh, has uh, an- announced last week while you were on vacation a thing called Operation Crosscheck, where they said they arrested 2,059 dangerous criminals uh, over a two-week period. Uh, and rapists, murderers, child molesters. Um, but when you look at who they actually arrested, David, 950 of those people uh, either had deportation orders or just undocumented had DUIs. But David, DUIs from the 90s. Now, we all make mistakes in life, and I'm sure there's some listeners to the show who have made mistakes in life and paid their price. Uh, ICE is literally going back and looking for anybody with old DUIs and then arresting them, David, putting them in their detention centers and setting no bond. No bond. Who does that help? Oh, follow the money, right, David? Who does that help? I'm guessing the Corrections Corporation of America is very happy about that. Because we're filling, what they're doing is filling up their 34,000-bed mandate every night. But who is helped, who is hurt by that? That man or woman's family, who now doesn't have their primary means of support. Um, and without a bond, immigration judges gleefully going along with this, no issuing no bond on these cases. 
people who have no who have relief even they could be they'd be DAPA eligible or DACA eligible uh, they could be eligible for cancellation of removal some of them may be eligible for green cards but now they're heading to be deported so when people say that Obama is not enforcing the law that would be one of those factoids that people don't want to hear that it's that where in fact he has been enforcing the law and in ways and in manners that George Bush, I don't think I ever even thought of. Uh, and, of course, technology helps ICE today. And the, I mean, I'm not going to blame ICE agents for doing their job. They're doing exactly what they should be doing, enforcing the law. But when policies come forward that are confusing, like they are out of the Obama administration, change constantly, uh, you end up having a very disgruntled workforce, least favorite place to work for in the government, the Department of Homeland Security, uh, led, headed up by ICE and CBP. Uh, and you've got a situation where now families are being directly impacted. For what reason? What is the purpose of arresting somebody today instead of two months from now when he applies for DAPA? Who is being helped by that? Now, I have no problem, David, and them arresting a guy with a new DUI. They should be doing that. Absolutely, they should be doing that. Uh, no problem at all, because that person has manifested a recent predilection to committing a crime, to doing something stupid that could harm other people. But somebody who took classes and resolved the situation 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, even eight years ago, I don't have any problem with them. They moved on their lives. <laughs> Look at the time that's wasted. Oh. Because they have to obviously uh, come from jail to court, show up in court, get an attorney, yada, da, da, da. The cop that arrested him, if it's going to stick, has to be there to uh, make the charges against him. It, it is a massive waste of time. A massive waste of time. I mean, you're smart. I'm not too smart. No, but you're smart. why do we... This is simple. This is black and white. Why, why do we let it go on? Because we don't hold our politicians accountable. And what I mean by that, David, is we don't vote as a society in primaries. We don't vote in primaries. And so we get the, we get the officials running in, in November that the most conservative and the most liberal members of the party have chosen, depending on which party you're in, because that's who votes in, in primaries. Um, maybe we need to do away with the primary system. That's what happened in California. I mean, you got this is a, California's experiment on this is very interesting. Uh, you sign up to run, you get, you get the required signatures, you're on the ballot in November. And then who gets the two high, who, whoever gets the two highest number of votes has a runoff. Hmm. I don't have any problem with that, do you? Not really. I think that would be a fascinating way to run an election. Did Jerry Moonbeam come up with that? You know, I I, I don't know if the, or, or the Democratic legislature did. I don't know which one, but one of them did. He's not so much a moonbeam anymore. I think he's actually a pretty good governor these days. Yeah, yeah I think he's, you know, you learn a lot in your youth. He was probably a terrible governor when he was in his 30s, but in his 60s, he's a pretty good governor. Um, in a state that's, you know, you and I probably wouldn't want to live in other than the incredibly amazing climate that they have there and the people that live there are really really good uh but politically it's kind of kind of a kind of a, 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 a car wreck uh so david we've talked a lot about what's going forward what's happening forward the other thing i keep hearing a lot about in these forums i'm doing david are lawyers and uh non-lawyers helpers in immigration we call them notarios uh, or notarios uh, taking money from people to, to get ready to do this Obama program that doesn't exist yet. I, I mean, David, uh, I know lawyers can bend themselves in the pretzels justifying why they charge fees for certain things. But 
I do not see ethically how you can charge a fee to somebody to gather their documents for a program that we don't know will exist yet. You wouldn't even know what documents... Well, we have a general idea what you would need to prove. We know you have to prove your presence here, so we know generally what you're going to want. But even so... Are any of them advertising? Uh, oh, there's lots of people advertising for it. Nobody's advertising they're charging for it, but we know from, from clients coming in and talk to us uh, that their friends or relatives, or even they have paid some other lawyer $500, $1,000 to get ready. We're making payments to that lawyer to get ready. And I keep saying, why would you pay somebody for something that doesn't exist yet? Why don't you just save the money yourself? Open a bank account. Put your money in there. Uh, what if the program fails? Do you think you're getting your money back? Are they? Are there any uh, laws or any uh, organizations that monitor and, and uh, filter out? Just the state bar. I mean, the state bar of every state would have to come in, have a complaint filed to, to go monitor that. Uh, but it's uh, what's really depressing is that uh, uh, people are being cheated. Sure. They're being robbed. They're getting taken advantage. How do you even know as a lawyer what to charge for this? That's my bigger question. I mean, I think I know kind of a general range because I think it's going to be like DACA. But I don't know what I'm going to charge for this. I refuse to take money from people for this. And not, not some altruistic way. I don't want to get stuck holding the bag if for some reason I've been wrong on everything. The Supreme Court says, no, it's illegal. We can't do it. Then how are you going to return all that money that you probably already spent as a lawyer? Better not to be tempted and just say, here's a list of documents. Here's what you should put together. Get your documents ready. Here, I, I, We have an electronic database that people can upload their documents and put your documents there. They're your documents. We won't touch them. Fill out a questionnaire. We know what kind of information they're probably going to require. And we'll just, you know, when, when, we get, when we get the details, we'll send you a letter that says, here's what's going to cost you to do that. Uh, but people are getting ripped off left and right, David, and it's just tragic. It's just tragic. Is this uh, throughout, throughout the country? It's throughout the country. Yeah. yeah, it's clearly throughout the country. And some cities, I think, are worse than others. Uh, it's particularly bad where there are very few good lawyers, uh, where there's lots of dabblers, people who do workers' comp and personal injury and, and, and uh, you know, bankruptcy and criminal defense. Oh, yeah, I also do immigration because it's just filling out forms. How hard could it be? Speaking of just filling out forms, David, now you've been involved in the immigration business now for a good long time with me. And you know, obviously, it's much more than filling out a form. Uh, do you do your own taxes, or do you oh, uh, no. you have an accountant do oh, this? Yeah. Now, you know friends that use, uh, like, uh, tax programs, yeah. like um, Intuit and all that, right? Because tax law is very much a yes or a no thing. Did you do this? Yes or no? If you did yes, the answer is Y. If you didn't do it, the answer is Z. It's a, it's a, it leans that much to logic. Tax law, as complicated as it is, lends itself to logic, at least for most people. Immigration law isn't like that. And yet there's a new organization out there called ClearPath, founded by an ex-immigration uh, official who has no legal experience whatsoever, uh, who's gotten some private funding, uh, and he had teamed up with H&R Block to have their new program to do, do immigration forms. Well, once the immigration lawyers found out about this, we approached H&R Block and said, what are you doing? This is the pra- one, it's practice of law. This isn't tax. You're not filing taxes here. This is the practice of law. And by the way, when you look at this ClearPath thing, it doesn't ask all the right questions. So there's no way you can get all the right answers. I've actually registered with ClearPath as, as an individual to see if I, could, if I had a question I could get answered. And it gave me the legally incorrect answer. A good friend of mine, Margaret Stock, who is a MacArthur genius. She got one of those MacArthur grants a couple years ago. MacArthur genius did the same thing and got the same result. Bad result, bad legal advice coming out of this. Uh, and my fear is people are going to rely on this type of program without getting actual legal advice. 
and many people are going to end up being deported because they decided to use a computer program. Here's the hilarious part. They charge almost as much for this as lawyers do. Well, okay, where's the case? I mean, we've always heard, I grew up hearing, uh, illegal to practice law without a license. Well, they had this program in Texas. They were putting it out, and Texas came out and said, what the hell are you doing? If it happens here in Georgia, we will take it to the state bar and the Supreme Court and get it stopped immediately because it's clearly the practice of law. Clearly practice law, or lawyers sending out go, lawyers going having a, having a seminar, lawyers meeting with people, and they don't meet with them. Their paralegal does. That's the unauthorized practice of law. I mean, the reason you get a bar license, the reason you take the bar, the reason you go to law school is to get a, a body of knowledge and the skill set necessary to analytically look at a case that really is not typically developed outside the area of, of, of study of law. There's lots of smart people out there that might get the same results, or they might not. But with a lawyer, you get something very different than that, David. You get an insurance policy. Because standing behind that lawyer is the state bar and the malpractice insurance of that, of that lawyer, if they're smart enough to have malpractice insurance, which is why I think malpractice insurance should be mandatory for every lawyer. Because if you screw up, you can be deeply damaged. We, we're dealing with right now with a woman who, uh, who, who went to an actual lawyer who was a dabbler, uh, who gave wrong legal advice, and her husband ended up stuck in Mexico for 10 years separated from his family then the lawyer said oh just come back we'll deal with it here by coming back he now has a permanent bar he can't ever get a green card so you see this type of stuff happening all the time David and it's really frustrating from perspective of a, of a practitioner who tries to do the right thing nobody's perfect I'm sure I've made mistakes but we try our best and we rectify those things that we make mistakes on at the same time, we can't let people keep taking advantage of people. And I see, and I, I, with, with some of the anti-immigrants, I see something happening here. There could be a lot of fraud in this program that we need to stop before it happens. As we need to proactively go after these groups and people who are already doing things that are suspect. So, David, it's been an awesome show this week. At least I think it's been pretty good. Uh, we'll be back next week on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio, hopefully with some more details from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Until next week, have an awesome week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.